Ladies and gentlemen, let us begin. Good evening, good evening. Let us begin. Welcome to Fusion. Uh, tonight, we got Terry teaching. A few chapters here in Genesis, 6 through 9. We're not going to cover every verse, but it's about the flood. So pretty wild teaching. So Terry's going to be teaching that here tonight. Uh, I don't think there is an after activity, correct? Zero fun tonight? Okay. Zero fun tonight, but next week... Do it now. We'll do it live. If I can have your attention, please. Now, you may be wondering... I'm wondering. Is he really going to say what he's going to say? Yes. Yep. No. And the answer is yes. Next week, we had already pre-planned this several months ago. Now, we're going to have a chili cook-off. Now the issue is, there's also a chili cook-off three weeks later. I don't want you to think about the chili cook-off because we planned our chili cook-off first. Okay? So true. Now there's going to be prizes. I got some gold medals. Woo! Maybe even have some silver medals. Both made of chocolate. A few categories. Best chili. Spiciest chili. Biggest air freshener. Biggest air freshener. Worst chili? We can even have worst chili. <laughs> that's not really a good It's It's too mean, but it's truthful. We don't, we don't want those in bad. So, prepare your recipe. You can even practice for the other one, but at least this time, everyone's going to have a chance to eat it and there'll be awards. I don't know about the other one. Um, and bring them here before home church, or we'll just eat throughout, and then there'll be like a little voting ballot thing somewhere over there. Yeah. You can vote in. The but some. we were very excited about this. Don't be discouraged. It's going to be two chili cook-offs, but ours will definitely be more. Yeah, just yeah. freeze freeze your leftovers and serve them back up. That's what I always say. <laughs> so stay tuned Good. for that. Stay tuned. Uh, bring, bring them in, eat them, and then we'll give out medals at the end of after the teaching. Right? Yeah. Very good. Yeah, next week, chili cook-off. More details will be posted. Uh, right up here are some cards. Uh, one's for Keith and one's for John Conahan, uh, who many of us know he's got cancer. He's having a tough time with that. So a card for him would be nice. So after the teaching, come on up and sign it. Um, DMTs this weekend, please pray for the leaders, uh, deacons and elders. We go out there um, and we try to see where the Lord is leading in our church. So that would be good for some prayers there. Other than that, I don't think there's anything else to say or announce. No CT. Stay tuned. No CT Saturday? Is that confirmed? No CT. No CT. Okay. Very good. All right, Terry, come on up. Yeah, God, I thank you, too, for this time. I thank you for this passage. I thank you for your word uh, and your body of Christ that we can share with you. Uh, so I pray as we get into your word tonight, 
Um, this is a, the thing we're going to talk about, this flood. Probably everybody in America has at least heard of it. And maybe every, almost everybody in America has preconceived notions, um, including some of us probably. Um, so anyway, God, I pray that we would um, not, not read this as something we all know, but as something we're trying to, trying to discover again, or trying to discover. Um, that we put our preconceived notions aside and we would see what the Bible says, um, see what you say, uh, and, and God, how uh, you want to talk to our hearts. And so I pray right now that I would offer my heart to you. I pray we offer our hearts to you because you want to change us and you want to, you want to transform us into your image, into people who can love. And so, uh, so I pray for that. Uh, I pray for our time that you would guide it, that you'd be the center of the focus that uh, your plan for salvation uh, for man would be evident and that uh, that you would be glorified. So that's all this in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, I did, didn't look, last time I thought, I think I had a few verses probably. Um, today there's four chapters, so we're going to, um, <laughs> it's a lot to it, so I don't want to just rush through, but I do want to, I do want to touch some things. <clears throat> Um, so we should probably start right away, though. Um, who wants to read the first? No. Who wants to read? Can someone read the first? Yes. Yeah. Um, oh wait, no. Just kidding. Um, we're not going to do that. Uh, so I'll just. We're not going to do that. That's only half. Um, so just by way of ramping up, warming up to where we're at in Genesis, um, Genesis chapter one. God created, right? There was nothing, and God said, hey, let there be a universe, and bam, there was a universe. Um, it describes how, how humans are like the climax of his creation, right? It goes through, hey, there was uh, water, the, the earth was covered in water, and then uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and then there was sky to separate the water, and then there was some dry ground, um, and then plants, and then God created animals, and then at the climax, God created man. In his image, God created man. And uh, looked around, God looked around and said, man, this is really good. Uh, very, this is very good. Just like I wanted it to be. That's what God said about humanity. And then chapter 2 comes around, and chapter 2 again retells the creation, only instead of man being at the climax of the creation, man is at the center of the creation. And man like builds this garden, or God builds this garden for man to cultivate and prosper in. And he tells, God, he tells man, hey, I want you guys to... Um, be fruitful and multiply and rule the earth. That's God's design for man. That's his design for us from the beginning before the fall. His rule, his design for us was to work in the garden, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to rule the earth. It's all very, very good. Humans were, uh, Adam and Eve at first trusted God completely. Like he was sweet. They would, God and Adam would walk together in the cool of the evening is what it says. They would like hang out together. And, hey, how was your day? How was your uh, time? What did you do today? That kind of stuff. It was very, very exciting. Um, so that's chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 3, uh, the tide turns. So we got the creation, and then all of a sudden, uh, sin enters the world. So people thought, hey, I think I could be like God. In fact, I think I want to be like God. In fact, I think I want to be God. I'm going to eat this fruit that he told me not to eat. I'm going to rebel against his authority. I'm going to rebel against um, his protection and his provision. I'm going to cast all that out, and I'm going to do things myself, because I think I can, and I think I should, because I'm all that. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, that's chapter 3. In chapter 4, we talked about last week, um, the first son that's born murders the second son that's born. 
Did I get that right? Yeah. yeah. I always mix that up. Maybe not always. Um, so the first family, there's murder and all this stuff. And so Cain's descendants, Cain, God casts Cain out of the garden. He says, oh, that's too hard for me. I can't do it. And God says, well, okay, so I'll put a hedge of protection on you so nobody will kill you because you're scared. Um, anyone who kills Cain, I will avenge seven times. And so that's somehow God put a sign on his head or something, uh, running on his back, I don't know what. Um, one of Cain's, as Cain's descendants came along, this guy, Lamech, who uh, was more of all that, he, he uh, boasted about killing a boy and killing a man. He boasted about having two wives. And he boasted, hey, if Cain's killer is going to be avenged seven times, I declare that my killer is going to be avenged 70 times. And so think about the arrogance of that. I'm going to outdo God by 10 while I'm dead. Right? So God's going to avenge this other guy's death. And, Cain, and, and uh, Lamech says, I'm going to avenge my own death. That's how all that I am. So that's chapter 4. Right? How messed up we're getting. Chapter 5 is mostly genealogies. And we find ourselves here today in chapter 6. And so, boom. Not this one. This one. Who can read... Who can read uh, Genesis 6, 1 through maybe 4? I get this. Please. Sure. Uh, now it came about when men began multiplying the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took them as their wives to themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with men forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men of old, men of renown. Okay, so this is a, what, what do you, scholars call this a difficult passage. Um, what in the world is talking about here? The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. I think I'm going to have me some of that. <laughs> so what in the world what and so I read a bunch of things and there are a few things none of them really made any sense except for understanding the text plainly is that these some kind of demonic things are coming in here and having sex with the women's and making these the Nephilim are like giants and so I'm like I read this and I'm looking at this flood passage I'm like why in the world is this stuff next to the flood? What does this have to do with each other? And I finally realized, that's how bad it is. It got so bad. So, so in the garden, after uh, Adam and after Eve got deceived and took the fruit, uh, Adam and Eve thought, you know, I think I can be like God, knowing good and evil if I eat this fruit. This fruit looks like it's a good thing, and I can be more like God. And I, different, different commentaries say, hey, this is uh, people's attempts to be more like God. Like, I'm going to be more God-like. I'm going to achieve some more God-likeness for myself if I do this thing with this son of God, whoever those are. Um, other people are saying, maybe it's the demons, maybe it's the devil trying to corrupt humanity, trying to corrupt the earth, trying to corrupt God's creation. Either one of those, I don't really know. Um, but it sounds like, though, what's happening is some kind of demonic 
cult orgy thing going on, and they're, they're having babies, and the babies are giants. So, is that like, does anybody think that's weird? <laughs> I mean, that's like weird, but what that does, what that does for us um, is it gives us a picture of where we started in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Very good, just like I wanted. It's a crazy going on. And in fact, um, as we read on in, in Genesis chapter 6, can someone else do this? Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Yeah. There's no justice anymore. Violence wins out. Power overwhelms. Power wins. And justice is laid aside. Justice is gone. And so on the face of the earth, God had created this thing. It was very good. And we, we, instead of man walking with God in the cool of the evening, we've got corruption and violence going on. We've got injustice running rampant. And then we get to this verse. just kills me. In chapter 6, this is chapter 6 of the Bible. Go and read this. This just kills me. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Yeah. So let that sink in. The intent of man's heart is only evil continuously. Like, that's just awful. So when, when we read the rest of Scripture and we look ahead to the end times when Jesus is talking about how it's going to be at the last days, you know, there's going to be some wars, there's going to be some rumors of wars, and people's love is going to grow cold. Okay, that, we got that going on. People's love is growing cold. But it seems to me like every thought, uh, every intent of the thought of man's heart is only evil continuously. That sounds awful. And so what's, what we see is that man, humanity, is on this like downward spiral. Humanity is like racing towards destruction. Like we're just going to destroy ourselves. And this, we see into the heart of God. God is grieved by this. He's sorry. Like, oh, this is awful. These people, not, not that he's surprised, but that he's grieved. This is terrible. And so, like, you have children that, that go astray. You have a marriage that goes astray. This is a terrible thing. This is a grieving thing. It's like not what I thought it was going to be, right? And it's, it's hurtful. It makes us sad. Like, I've got this design for something. God had this design for us. And we are just wrecking it. Bad. And so God is grieved. God has personality. He has... Emotions. He created us in his image. And so we have emotions like God has emotions. And one of the emotions God has, like he can be joyful and satisfied with how he created, and he is grieved to his heart when he sees his creation spinning uh, hopelessly out of control. That's what's going on here. God's heart aches for this. It's like uh, he's anguishing. And his peoples that he created in his image uh, are getting more brazen and more bold in their rebellion they're, they're uh, acting out against his sovereign rule, against his love. They're trying to assume his authority. I think I can be God. 
If I do this thing, it's going to, in fact, I'm going to be God. I'm going to avenge my own death 70 times more than God's going to avenge Cain's uh, death. That's how, that's how awesome I am. I'm going to avenge my own death. Think about the, the arrogance of that statement. And then it's downhill from there. And so that, that's, where we find, that's where we find ourselves today in, with this flood. Mankind, the earth, is filled with injustice. And what we see is that God is going to bring some justice. Um, let's see. Yes, we got this next verse. So here's, what, here's God's answer. Um, and we're skipping around. So we're going to do it. We can't read every verse. So can someone do that for us? The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which there is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. And so here, so there's this God looks at his world full of injustice, and he said, you know what, I'm going to bring justice. That's what we, we uh, uh, violence, the word for violence can also be translated injustice. And God's going to bring some justice, some, some rightness to the world, right? And so this is what he's going to do. He's going to cover the earth with water again, like it was in verse 1 in Genesis 1, or 2, whichever verse it was, but right at the beginning. And so then... So this, this is the setting, and the, the creation is so bad, it's on its... Does this guy strike you guys? Like, how is God going to do this? We've got to talk about, God, this judgment. This is like, not PC. But like, God sees this creation destroying itself. And instead of letting us wallow in our own dung, he's going to cut it short. He says, I'm just going to end it right here. Because this is so bad. This is these these this is unredeemable. These people do not want to be redeemed. They do not want to come to me. They want to wallow in their own crap. And so I'm just going to cut it off. And so that's not PC today. Like judgment, punishment. This kind of justice is not what we like to read about. You know, when we, we think about uh, some rapist or killer or child abuser, we want to have justice for that guy. But there's other kind of justice. Like, I feel like I should be able to speak, and it's okay. I want to be able to do the things I want to do. I want to be able to do whatever and have it be okay. I want to, whatever. I want to have an affair or whatever the thing is. I want to cheat. I want to porn. I, I don't know what, what we do. We do all kinds of things that we, we don't want justice for, right? But here's a God that says, no, I'm a God of justice. And that makes us uneasy. At least. Does it make people uneasy? Does it make people you know uneasy? This idea of God's justice? Who's he to decide anyway? Right? He's the God of the universe. He created it all. Um, his justice isn't like our justice. You know, we are biased and we can be bought. We can be influenced. We can be swayed. We can, hey, you scratch my back and I'll scratch your back. That's the kind of justice we want. God's justice is not that way. God doesn't have any back. <laughs> and he's going to say, he's going to bring his true justice, his right justice, and he's going to bring it firm. 
And that's what's going on here. And so, that's what we got. That's what this, this overwhelming corruption, this overwhelming injustice. And God said, you know what? I'm going to bring some justice into this place because there's none. These people are killing themselves anyways. We're just going to, we're just going to stop it. I'm going to, I'm going to put a stop to this. They don't want anything to do with me. They don't want anything to do with my justice or my righteousness, my authority, my provision, my protection. We're going to put a stop to this. And so in the middle of all this, then, is this guy Noah. Who's this guy Noah? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Right? What else does it say? These, well, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. And so this guy Noah, out of all the rest of humanity... There's this guy, Noah, who is blameless, and blameless in his time, righteous and walked with God. What a sweet thing to walk with God. What a crazy thing. I wonder how that was for him to walk with God in this generation, in this time, where it was so bad. Like, he didn't even want it. Like, I think I'm the only one about this, and I'm the only one about that. I'm the only one that's doing anything at work. <laughs> right? Anybody ever think that? Um, and here's Noah, who God says of him, he's the one who's blameless in his time. He's walking with me. What, what a praise that is. Um, so what does God do now? He brings justice into the world where there's no justice. I'm going to wipe it all out. But this guy's all right. God's got his love. Or does he? I don't know. We'll have to read and see. Um, what's next? What is next? Yeah. Um, go ahead. Someone read that. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Yeah. So here's God's solution. I'm going to bring this flood on the earth to destroy the earth. Hey, Noah, why don't you build a boat? Why don't you build an ark? And Noah says, right. What's an ark? Right? Maybe you guys don't know that. Um, anyway, he's in jail now, I think. Um, so what God's going to do... Never. So what God's going to do is he's going to bring um, justice and mercy together. He's going to bring judgment and salvation. He's going to bring them together. He's not going to do one and then do the other. He's not going to do this one first and that one. He's not going to need to be working together. That's what God's going to do. And I looked up this word. So if you guys study the Hebrew um, or if you study the Old Testament some, if you guys listen to Bible Project. Anybody listen to Bible Project? Well, Bible yeah. Project has a whole bunch of different things. Um, has a whole bunch of good podcasts about Genesis. And one of them talks about um, the trees. You know, the word for tree and the word for shrub is it's the word for wood. It's the same word. Almost throughout the Bible. Um, and so I thought, well, gee, maybe this is that same word too. And it turns out it's not. So I was kind of disappointed about that. <laughs> but what I found out is the word ark 
is the same word that's translated in Exodus 2 as basket covered with pitch inside and out that saved Moses in the night. Whoa. Whoa. And so, um, so this is what's going on. God is going to bring justice and mercy together at the same time. He's going to, um, he's going to provide a way for salvation for Noah and his family, and he's going to provide a way for judgment on the rest of humanity in a way that's just, in a way that's right, and do it at the same time together. God's going to bring those two things together. And so that's what he does. Brian, 6-6 yeah. in Exodus. Exodus chapter 6-6. Six, six. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. God is bringing judgment and redemption together in the same thing. In Exodus, he does it with Jesus too, and we'll see that in a few minutes. He's very specific about how we build the ark. Do the for, uh, 300 cubits long, it's like a football field and a half. Carlel, you've seen the actual ark. And so, so there's an error. It says it landed on the mountains of Ararat, but it's actually in Kentucky. It's really in Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> I can prove it. There's a second floor. Oh, I'll show you one else. <laughs> But it's giant. It's, it's a football field and a half. So it's like bigger than a submarine. Bigger than a submarine? Well, almost. No, no it's not bigger. But it's giant. It's giant. And so Noah, this guy, this guy Noah, builds this ark out of trees, right? That's, he got trees and axes and he builds an ark. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. Three decks, windows, pitch inside and out. Like... This is a crazy thing. Um, so he gives some specific details for how to build it. Like he gives specific details for how to build the temple. Like he gives specific details about some other things too. And God's going to bring salvation through this thing. He's giving details about. And so what, um, Brian, BK. Chapter 6, verse 22. <laughs> so Noah did these things according to everything that God had commanded him. So he did. Yeah, so Noah built the ark just like God said. And so this took him like a hundred years. In the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness, wherever he's at, not at the ocean is where he built it. And so, <laughs> so think about this for a minute. I'm, I'm like Cleveland, Ohio. Actually, he's probably farther away from water than we are. Um, I'm going to take a hundred years and I'm going to build this ark. Now, everyone else thinks I'm nuts. Like my neighbor, he wants me to have a beer, go hook up with some girls or something. But no, I'm going to build this ark instead for a hundred years. I'm going to build an ark for a hundred years. Dude, I can't do something for 20 minutes. <laughs> right? And so, so we learn, we, we can learn about perseverance in obedience from this guy Noah, who under, I'm sure, difficult circumstances persisted in his obedience to God to build this ark when, like, I mean, 20 years go by and you think, is this really going to happen? 
50 years go by and you're building the ark and you're like, you know, I think I can take a day off today <laughs> or something. It's like, is it really going to happen? You've got to wonder, what does he wonder in his head? How does he think about God in his head? Oh, he keeps building. That's what he thought about God. That's what he thought about the mockers around him, the detractors, the wicked peoples around him. He said, you know what, I'm going to keep building the ark. And so, so here we see about, about Noah's perseverance and his obedience, but this is way after God describes him as righteous. God described him as righteous and blameless before he's told him the plan, before Noah had done any of these obedient things. And so something about Noah must have indicated to God and everyone else that, hey, I'm not like those people. I want to follow God. <coughs> And so part of what I wonder, like specifically with prayer or with, with Bible study, you know, is that something that we can be, that we have a good record of being persistent in? I don't. I, like have, I have like 20 minutes of persistence or a month or something of, of 20 minutes a day of being persistent, and then I go on vacation and it's blown. Or I get sick and it's blown. Or I got to go in early for work and it's blown. And it takes me nine years to get persistent again. Or whatever the thing is. I, and what keeps us from being persistent in these kind of things with God? Like, do we think that God wants us to do these things? Do we think that God's real? Do we think, what holds us back? Like, I just get too busy and I think, I gotta do this and I gotta do this and I gotta do this and I gotta do this. And that's like all about me. That's hardly different from the surrounding peoples of Noah's time. Hardly different. And so I think God is calling us to take a minute. Hey, look at me for a minute. Think about me for a minute. Persevere with me for a minute. Not a hundred years. But give me five minutes today. Give me ten minutes today. Give me ten minutes, three days in a row. Persevere with God a little bit. Um, he's not calling us to build an ark for a hundred years. That's 450 feet long and there's no trees around or whatever. But he's calling us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. Um, Eleni, mm -hmm. you had a verse. This is, this is what Noah was doing while he was building the ark. And did not, um, you said 2 Peter 2, verse 5. I think so. Okay. And I'm sure that's what I said. And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the yeah, ungodly. Yeah. yeah, so actually that's an interesting, that whole context is about this. And so if you read that section of 2 Peter, it's really cool. But, um, but here he's saying, hey, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so while he's building this ark, while he's being mocked every single day for building this ark, he's a preacher of righteousness. Hey, you know, God is going to do this. Hey, God loves you, and he wants you to be with him. Turn to God. God's real. And you're not God. There is a God who created You're not him. Come to him. So Noah's preaching righteousness for a hundred years while he's building the ark. This is what's going on. Um, and so then, so we have all of that, and then finally it starts to rain. Right? So after a hundred years of building the ark, all the mockery, all the perseverance, all the obedience, it starts to rain. And God says, hey, it's time to get in the ark. So Noah and his family, his wife and his sons and their wives, and all the animals that God had collected, 
go into the ark. God says, look, get in the ark. And so they all go in the ark. Starts raining. They get in the ark. God shuts the door on the ark. No, it doesn't shut the door. God shuts the door. Probably seals it pretty good. to float it for a time. It begins to rain. Water comes up from the ground, and water comes down from the sky, and the earth is covered, just like it was in Genesis 1. The earth is covered again with water. And everything's destroyed. Everything that has the breath of life is destroyed, except for Noah and his family. They entered this ark of salvation. So when God is bringing this, this flood of judgment, this flood of justice, and by the mercy of God, and by the salvation of God, Noah and his family come through. Because God provided for them. God provides for us a way out all the time. Um, Hebrews, oh, we got this one over here. Hebrews 11, verse 7. So this is what the New Testament thinks about Noah. Oh, uh-oh. Oh, we didn't read that one. Oh, we'll skip that for now. It's okay. It's okay. We already talked about it. Hebrews 11, verse 7. Come on. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Yeah. So he was warned by God about something that he hadn't seen yet. Like, this was a, a flood of biblical proportions. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he had, so he had never seen this, but in reverence to God, in respect for God, in, in obedience to God, he builds this ark. And by doing that, he's going to become an heir of righteousness. That's what's in it for Noah. And so, he's a man of faith. And so, it, even in Genesis chapter 6, what we see is that salvation with God is by faith. It's not by what we can do for God. It's not by our obedience for God, but it's by trusting God. Salvation is by trusting God. I put my trust in God. That's, what's, that's how we get salvation. From the beginning of the Old Testament through the end of the New Testament, the whole Bible is talking about salvation that way. It's not talking about do this and do that. It's not talking about be a better person. It's talking about trust God the whole time. So that's what's going on there. Um... This salvation, yeah, over there, yeah, yeah. This salvation, this salvation that Noah experienced is not, it's not a salvation of like forgiveness of sins. It's not a salvation to eternal life. But it's symbolic of that. Like it points to that. It said, hey, this is a picture of salvation. Just like the Passover was a picture of salvation. This thing with Noah was a picture of salvation that Christ would later accomplish for us. There, there's, it points to Christ. It points to the salvation that's coming. And so, it points to Jesus. And the salvation, the real salvation that Jesus made for us, is pretty similar. It came in judgment also. Jesus brought judgment and mercy together. He brought justice and salvation together. He brought them together just like the flood. And so, what happens at the cross, at the cross of Christ, is that God brings judgment down on the sin of all mankind. Our sin. All of our sin was put onto Christ. And the wrath of God came onto Christ and, and Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He took the penalty for our sin. He took the wrath of God for our sin. And so he took the judgment that we deserve. And if we put our trust into him, if we enter into his salvation, if we, if we want his, his uh, sacrifice on the cross to pay for our sins, 
we get salvation. And so this is not something that we do on our own, but it's something that God provided for us in the judgment. That God's going to bring justice to the world, and how he's going to accomplish it is he is going to take out his wrath on sin, but he's going to do it instead of on all of us. He said, I'm going to do it on my son. I'm going to take my son, my eternal God's son, and I'm going to pour all my wrath on him so that I don't have to pour it on you because I love you and I want to, put my, I want to pour out my mercy on you. I can't stand sin. Sin separates us from God. And God says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take care of that problem. And I'm going, to, I'm going to make justice for sin on Jesus. And so if you enter into the salvation of Jesus that he offers through the cross, we can have a relationship. We can be saved through the cross. And so this is, this is what the, the flood points to. This is what Noah and the ark point us to. This real salvation that's going to come later. This effectual salvation for the forgiveness of sins. The salvation that's going to bring eternal life. This, the salvation that gives us spiritual life comes through Jesus. It didn't come through the flood. It didn't come at the Passover. It didn't come through all the other Old Testament things that we saw. It comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. And we talk about the justice of God, you know, and, and the, well, gosh, none of those guys could have got saved except for if they went on the ark. That's pretty exclusive. Like, what are you, how come you couldn't put everybody on the ark? Well, everybody didn't want to go on the ark. And, and people say the same thing about Jesus. He's so exclusive. The, the Christianity thing, that's the only way where there's got to be other one? No. That's the only, Christ is the only one who paid for sins. There's salvation through no other, no other, no other means. You can pay for your own sins, or you can let Jesus pay for your sins. Those are the options. And you can pick. And whoever wants to pick Jesus can be saved through the, through the wrath. And whoever doesn't want to pick Jesus is going to face justice and judgment from God. And so, um, Lindsay, I think you had a verse. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Hold on. If you're not sure about this salvation thing, if you, if you think you, you're saved, if you're not sure you're saved, you think you might be saved, uh, let me just encourage you to be certain about this because the flood's coming. The judgment of God is coming. Right? And so, if you're not certain about this, check it out. Talk to God. If he's there, he'll answer you in a way that you can understand. If you're not sure, talk to somebody here. Talk to, read the Bible. Talk, talk to God in the Bible. Talk to someone here. Talk to, I don't know, but find out. Because really, the flood's coming. And if you do know Jesus, share Jesus with somebody that doesn't know Jesus because the flood's coming. Either way, the flood's coming. Lindsay, did you have a verse? Yes. I had Luke 17, 26, and 27. What does that say? It says, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Yeah. And so here's, here's what they're saying. In the day of Noah, everybody was going about their own business. And Noah was preaching righteousness, and the flood came, and some people were uh, swept away in the flood. Just like today, people are going about their own business. I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, don't bother my thing. Let me do my thing, I'll let you do your thing, I don't care. And uh, what we don't realize is that the day is coming when Jesus is going to return 
and bring justice for good. And so, if you do know Jesus, preach righteousness. If you don't know Jesus, check him out. Because the flood's coming. And so in chapter 8, we're getting there. Oh yeah, we're doing really good. We're getting there. Chapter 8 starts out, chapter 8 verse 1 says, God remembered Noah. And so it's like, okay, wait a minute. I left the oven on. Wait a minute, I left the flood on. I gotta go check the flood. No, 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 no. God took action towards Noah, is what that really means. Uh, God didn't forget about Noah. He didn't, like, we need the oven on, none of that stuff. The laundry, I forgot the laundry. No, 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 no. Um, God took action. And after the world had been flooded, after, after life that had breath, was destroyed on the earth. The flood water receded. And God said, and the flood went down, and then God spoke. Um, and here's what he said. Yeah, go ahead. Anybody. Don't be scared. Don't and be God scared. God spoke to Noah, saying, go out, of, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Yes. And so, hey, so um, we're starting everything over. Like, just like in Genesis, the, the waters came down um, and then life started coming up. And here we're having, life is, is being restarted on planet Earth, and Noah and his family, and the, and the animals that were in the ark. It's like a new start. It's like a recreation. And we see, again, this is pointing, pointing forward. It's pointing forward to when Christ would come and offer real forgiveness for sins, and those who accept him would become a brand new creature in Christ. The old thing has passed away, and behold, there's a new, a new creature now. So if we've received Christ, we've been recreated in a way, and spiritually, we've been given spiritual life in a way that we didn't have before. So where does this new creation do? And it points further forward toward the new heavens and the new earth, but God is going to make this right. <coughs> he's going to bring justice, and he's going to make it all right. And the streets are going to be paved with gold. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, and sin won't be part of that business. Um, pointing forward our glorification in Christ. And so, what does Noah do? Brenda, Brenda, what does Noah do when he gets out of the ark? Uh, you're looking for verses 20 and 21. Yes. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Okay. So there's a couple things going on there. So, so the waters dry up, Noah sends out a raven, and the raven doesn't come back, and sends out a dove, and the dove comes back, and sends it out again, and it comes back again. Sends out a third time, and it doesn't come back, and it must be time to get out of the ark. So God says, get out of the ark. But look at what he says. He says, uh, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. This is what we told him. Be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And so there is, like, in a sense, a restart here. This is what's going on. This sacrifice is pleasing to God. But what we'll see is that, uh, how did it say that there? Can you read the end part of that again? I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Where's my Bible? <laughs> the end part? So you yeah, hang on, hang on, hang okay. on. Uh, stand by. Stand by. 
He repeats this again. Sorry, brother. You're okay. Um, everyone. The intent of man's heart is still evil. Like God knows this about us. God knew that before Noah went into the ark, and God knew it after Noah got out of the ark. And yet the sacrifice of Noah was soothing and pleasing to him. Right? Um, and so here's, here's what happens next. God is still, still in charge. Um, go ahead. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of my covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you, for all successful generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the cloud. Oh, my bow in the cloud, <laughs> not bow. And it shall be for well, a they, sign of a covenant between me and the earth. They were in a boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, so God, God said at the beginning of this thing, I'm going to make a covenant with you before they went into the ark. And here he is, after they come out of the ark, saying, hey, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Um, back up one second. The sacrifices that he made, he sacrificed clean animals. You hear all the, all the stories about the animals came in two by two, two by two, two by two, two and two of this, two of that, two of the other thing. Hmm? The clean animals were sevens for the sacrifice that would happen at the end. Yeah. So that's what he sacrificed. Not, not all the animals, but the, the clean ones that they brought for the sacrifice. So God makes this covenant with Noah. I am never going to I'm never going to destroy the earth with a flood again. I'm not going to do it. And what he does is he places his bow in the sky. The rainbow is what we call it today. It's kind of cool. The word, the word translated for bow there um, talks about like your bow and arrow, like a hunter's bow or like a warrior's bow, right, for destruction. And so God's, God's wrath, God's anger on the earth came in a storm. And what God said is, hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my bow that I brought out for judgment on you, and I'm going to put it in the sky. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it in the sky for you to remind you that when the storm comes and reminds you of judgment, there's going to be this other beautiful thing that reminds you of my mercy and my covenant with you. Because today I make a covenant with you that, that I'll put my bow in the sky so you know that I will not do this again. You guys can know that this is never going to happen this way. God is not going to destroy the world by flooding yet. That's what he's saying. And we can look at it today. Praise God for his mercy. Because we're not that different than every thought of the intent of man's heart was only evil continuously. Not that different from that. Right? Um, Brenda, last verses. Chapter 8, verse 21 and 9, verse 1. Brenda's last verses. Oh. Yeah, sorry. We're, we're almost there. Okay. So, 821. Um, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And then 91 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, so God, 
issues this blessing to Noah. Noah does his sacrifices pleading to God. God still knows the heart of man. Because what happened was, when Noah went into the ark, the animals went into the ark with him, his family went into the ark with him, his sons and their wives went into the ark with him, and his sin nature went into the ark with him. And his sin nature came out of the ark with him. And so just as we are saved by Jesus, today uh, we still have our sin nature, right? That hasn't been extinguished. That is alive and well. Um, and so God, God, knowing Noah's heart, knowing the heart of man, knowing that it's wicked from our youth, he says, you know what? I'm not going to do this again, and I'm going I'm to endure watching your suffering. I'm going to grieve all the days that you guys are alive. That doesn't sound right. It breaks God's heart to watch us hurt ourselves. It breaks God's heart to watch us hurt each other. It breaks God's heart to watch us destroy his creation. Right? This is not... This is a sacrifice on God's part to let us live. Because his heart breaks when we don't follow it. Right? And so, knowing that we would break his heart again, this sucks. Um, who had that verse in 2 Peter? 2 Peter 3 9 talks about the patience of God, right? About this very thing. About how God um, is able to save the ones who love Him. About God knows who those are. He's able to save Lot out of Gomorrah. He's able to save Noah through the flood. He's able to save the ones who want to follow Him. He's able to save them out of judgment. But He's patient to let the, let the time play out to, for those who want to come to Him can. But, but part of what we do grieves God. It really does. And so, not to, not to bring a guilt thing on this, but that's just that's what the Bible teaches us, that God was grieved by our sin. He knew we would continue to sin. And he saved us anyways. He knew it would cost, us his, cost him his son. And he created us anyways. That's the love of God for us, mixed in with the justice and the judgment of God. Um, Hannah, you had this last verse. And then Mia, you're next. And then we're done. Yeah. Hannah, last verse in Genesis flood count. Uh, 9.21? Yes. This is crazy. Well, are you starting at 20? You can. Okay. Then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside the tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. What are you talking That's good. Okay. That tells the story. And so, so we're talking about the wickedness of man. Noah's sin went into the ark with him. Noah's sinful nature came out of the ark with him. Uh, and here it is, playing out. No mention of his wife in the, in the, in the tent and being naked. Just uh, doesn't, none of the commentators really speculated what was going on there. I guess we can just imagine what was going on there. I don't know what was going on with his nakedness and his drunkenness. Um, but it was shameful. Uh, and God brings it up here as, as a record of sin. Noah's not perfect. We're not perfect. Noah was righteous and not perfect. We can be righteous and not perfect. I trust in God. Right? And so, our sin nature remains with us. And God grieves when we turn away from Him. And so, uh, uh, Mia, can you read Romans 6, verse 13, and we'll be done. 
And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Yeah. And so this is a thing, this is a thing you can do every day. I need, to do, I need to do this every day because every day my default isn't I want to present myself to God. Every day my default is I want to do whatever I want to do. And so, so just like Noah was obedient and persevering, we need to be obedient and persevering in this very thing. Right? To, to say, I want to draw near to you, God. I want to present myself to you today, God, for your righteousness. Use me as a weapon of righteousness. Don't let me use myself as an instrument of death. Right? That's really how that goes. Um, maybe I could preach righteousness today. God, help me to be a preacher of righteousness like Noah was a preacher of righteousness in the face of mockery, in the face of all the obstacles that he went through and he had to endure. Help me to be a preacher of righteousness for 20 minutes or something here. God, help me to do this. And so I guess persevering, like, like, what's our next... Help me, God, persevere with my next step. You, you've got something in front of me, God, I know. Help me persevere. Help me be obedient and perseverant in that thing. Whatever that thing is. And it's different for everybody. Maybe you don't know what your next step is. Be perseverant in prayer about what your next step might be. God has a step for you. God is merciful and loves us and wants only good things for us. And I know that's true of us because we're all breathing. If he was done with us, we'd be done. But he must have work for us. He must have good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in. He must have those for us. What are they? Seek him out of this. I bet if you seek him out of this, he will answer. Hey, this one thing. Talk to that one person. Do this one thing. Be persistent at this thing and that thing. Come to me. Be persistent at coming to me. If you don't know what it is, ask him. What's the thing about it? If you do know what it is, ask him for perseverance in the thing. And so I guess that's the study of the flood. Um, it's, a, it's a study of salvation and justice together. Mm -hmm. A salvation of judgment and mercy together. That's what the flood is. It points us to Jesus. So anyway, I'm done with that. Um, there's a couple things that are hard like this whole idea of the, the sex with sons of God, whatever that means. There's the, hey, you're only going to live 120 years. Um, there's the, hey, a flood, really? This big? An ark? That big, really? Like this, some of these things are, are um, they stretch our understanding as modern peoples. And so if we want to wrestle them out, if we want to talk about God's next step for us, let's talk about some of those things. So I'm done. Yeah, I like the point you brought up about persevering. Because uh, I, I know, like, for myself, I don't really like to get into studying or reading. Or, you know, and it's like, hey, persevere just for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, persevere for uh, preaching righteousness for 20 minutes or 10 minutes. So that was a bit encouraging. Good. And hey, so I'm not going to pick on you. Um, but Thanks. I'm going to... But, I, but I'm going to say something that's true about me. Yeah. Um, I, perseverance is not a strength of mine. 
Yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, like there are things I can be very persevering at. Um, and so maybe we, maybe I just can, should think about that. Hey, wh why why can I do be so persevering at this thing and so um, oblivious or ambivalent to this other thing that really is more important? Mm -hmm. Right? How how can that? How can I be that way? How, I, and I am that way. I'm that way. I'm like all about perseverance over here. I don't have time for that thing. And it, two minutes, and then I'm doing something crazy else. And so I hear you. It's true. It's a true thing. Gary, I was going to point out, you know, we're talking about grieving and that's the first in Ephesians 4, uh, let's see, it's 4.30, it says, not grieve the Holy Spirit, God who have been sealed, the day of redemption, and it goes on about our sin and greatness, our clamor and stuff, put away and then put on love, you know, so it's right there, that importance of, we don't want to grieve God, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so that's like a, it's like a real deep grief, you know, so. Yeah. Not just like a little trite thing or something. So, you know, keep it in mind like like anguish. Um, yeah, it's just like you know, it's a big deal because it because it why? Because it hurts relationships, destroys lives. So that's why it's so detrimental to like pursue these things of God, you know, the truth yeah. of God and gentleness and forgiving and mercy and you know, not uh, holding on to these things. So It's interesting that God is still for our good. Right. Like that's why He grieves because we're missing out on what He's designed us for. Yeah. It's so beautiful, God. If we do that, it's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. 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 What else? I know there's other things. Hey. Yeah. Uh, hey. Hey. I am also listening to the Bible Project Genesis podcast series, and I. Really like it. I think, um, I have a point here. Uh, my point is, I like learning about how God chose to communicate to us in a way that is for all people. And I think, like, I read, like, creation and the flood and, like, those of Genesis, and I'm like, but, like, how did it work? And, like, that make, like, sense. And I want the Bible to be, like, a, like a textbook and, like, huh. tell me, like, what happened and when and, like, what do you mean, day? <laughs> Those guys help you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's really cool reading it and being like, you know, God's word is true, and God did a lot of cool shit, um, but he wrote about it in a way that would also make sense to, like, people that were maybe doing it on a, you know, what is the word for that? Like a verbal... Like reading it through, oh, like an auditory, an oral, tra oral like, tradition. Yeah, like an oral tradition, and like linking to different stories that you mm -hmm. know, like we're talking about Moses and the same words, kind of like bringing to mind yes. previous things, and like the point. God's point is not the point that I want Him to be making. Like God's point is about our sin and like what He wants to do about it, and like having justice, but also having hope and mercy. And right. Like, that's God's point. It's just not like. Like when I go to read the Bible, it's like often not the point I want to get. I like I want to know what happened, and that's just and that's just not what God like wants to talk to me about. Like why is this thing right next to that thing? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why is that? <clears throat> well, yeah. Touch. And being being able to like they really help me sit and like think about like well why 
why did God put it this way and what am I supposed to be Right. Like, what is the important eternal spiritual truth that I'm supposed to be thinking about through this story and not, like, whatever, like, weird hang-ups I have about, like, what I want it to say? Yeah. It's very cool. Very good podcast if anybody is interested in yeah, They're long, but they're very, very good. Uh, astoundingly good, I think. Yeah. Nobody has questions about the Giants. Or the, or the flood, like this is a crazy flood, nobody's got anything about that. How can this be? We're blatantly ignoring the giants. What's that? I said, I think we're blatantly ignoring the giants. Okay. Well, I think it's, so I did a lot of, um, in college, I did a lot of, I was basically an English major. Um, but one of the things that was brought up is that, like, most cultures have a large flood story, like a flood Yes, narrative. they do. And they're very similar. Right, and it's super similar. But the cool thing is, is that the Bible has like extra biblical proof on its truth and its veracity. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other flood narratives don't have that. There's like a lot of mysticism and things like that. And I just think that that's really beautiful that, like, there's this proof that, like, you know, this flood did happen. It is something that that factually, historically happened. And other cultures acknowledge it and acknowledge its existence and the fact that it happened. But the Bible is the only thing that, like, has extra biblical truth behind it and that you can trust as truth, which is really cool. Um, That God uses this really tragic thing as something that's like, no, 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 but I'm here and I still love you. And I chose, you know, to do this so that I can eventually have a relationship with you. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's amazing, it really is, that the Bible is proven so many times in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, when people speculate it wasn't, it couldn't be true. Perseverance, anybody? Just a thought with the perseverance thing, because I think um, you even mentioned it, like, oh, I can I can be consistent for like a month, and then I go on vacation, and then it's all gone. I think that sometimes um, we can get really down on ourselves, and it can be easy to do exactly that. But I think that uh, one of the things that's so cool that I've seen how God works is instead of like, okay, let's beat ourselves up and be real sad and wait nine years to start over again. Um, he appreciates our like consistency and will honor that. And he's like, okay, yeah, you messed up. Let's get back at it. And so I think that, um, I know for me, that's been really helpful to like start again because yeah, like, it's been cool to reflect on myself. Like I've grown in some consistency and in prayer. And so for me, like, no, is it every day? No, but it went from maybe once a month to now, oh, I'm consistently doing this, like, you know, several times a week. And that can help just like build some of that. And so when I look over the year, I'm like, oh, I'm praying a lot more than I thought I was or whatever. But um, I think that can be a way to like help frame that persistence because 
I feel yeah. like people in general are really big on beating themselves up and being like, well, now I have to go be sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for a long time I could be really, um, I still lean toward beating myself up about stuff. Um, but God is not this cosmic grudge holder right. who, who is like ready to tell us about all this stuff that we messed up. He, God is a God <coughs> in the Bible who is ready to meet us with mercy and kindness and come back to me. Right. An invitation to return to me. That, that's what we see time and time again with God is an invitation to return. Throughout, in his passage today, return to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Come to me. Walk with me. That's all God. He's not asking for the moon. He's not asking for you know, three hours a day for every day, one night and morning. Right. That's not it's not a demand that God makes with, with us. He's just like, hey, come walk with me. Hang out with me. Um, I'm, I'm where the joy is. I, I, I can offer you life. I can offer you more satisfaction than, than the nine other things that you're chasing instead of me. Yeah. Um, and so why don't you check me out and walk with me for a minute, and I'll show you. It's cool. Yeah, instead of beating yourself up, that's a great point. Just, you know, God's not that way. He just, he wants to give me stuff. He doesn't want to take away. He wants to give me stuff. A good life. Hmm. Anybody else? I better pray, maybe. Anybody want to pray? Anybody want what? Pray? Anybody want to pray? Oh, let's pray. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say anybody want a cracker. What? <laughs> Lord, thank you uh, for tonight. Thank you, God, that uh, you are just, that the evil things in this world don't go unpaid. Um, there's so many tragedies that are happening now, God. But um, you say that it's, it's going to be resolved one day, on Judgment Day, but you also offer a way out of that. Uh, that's to your son's forgiveness. So thank you, God, for offering that freely to us. Uh, thank you, God, that Noah was faithful to you. I pray, God, that we can be faithful uh, preachers of righteousness like now uh, in this culture that just hates us so much and is, is increasingly moving further and further away from you, God. Um, yeah, pray we can yeah. preach some righteousness. Pray we can be reconciled people to you, God. Um, pray for tonight. Pray for our conversations together. Um, yeah, whether we're struggling or whatever it may be, God, just pray that be there with us. Pray for DMT, God, this weekend. Uh, pray for insight. Pray for discernment. Thank you, Lord, for uh, filling Terry uh, with your word. Uh, Terry was so full of it, full of your word. Uh, wow. And he didn't run out. He didn't run out. He was full. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, uh, for giving us uh, the type of teachers that uh, are so full of your word. So I just thank you, Lord, uh, for Terry, for what he brought tonight. 
for uh, his work, his effort, and filling him up, filling himself up with study and hard work. Uh, you filling him with your work. So I just give you thanks for that, Lord. And that, also, he was uh, willing to share that. Uh, he worked to share that with us. So I just give you thanks, Lord. Yeah, God, I do really thank you that you uh, you gave us your word, that you preserved your word. Not only did you preserve Noah through his flood, um, but that you preserved your word about the flood so that we could see it and we could be pointed to you as well. Um, I thank you that throughout your word, God, you were pointing to Jesus, you are pointing to salvation, you are pointing to real life, uh, spiritual life, eternal life, you are pointing to satisfaction. Um, not, not perfection so much here, God, not that we won't have problems, but that you will walk with us in the problems, you will comfort us in the problems, um, that you're bigger than the problems, that your grace can overcome anything that we can face. Um, so anyway, thank you for that, God. I pray that your word will be impacting our hearts, that we will be touched and transformed, um, that you will change us, you will make us um, creatures of righteousness, that you make us uh, perseverance and obedient, that you would you fill us with your joy. And that we pray that we would walk with you, Lord. Um, pray for our brothers John and Keith as they're suffering with, with a sickness, Lord. Um, and and I, just, I pray you would comfort them and their families. Uh, I thank you for their salvation. I, I pray that you would um, be giving them joy and comfort in you mm -hmm. these days. Mm -hmm. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.